Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, and as always, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road in Warren County, New Jersey, right here on the farm. And I hope that the sound of my voice has everything going well for you and your family and for your operation, whether that is in agriculture, ranching, horticulture, or you are in some other walk of life, because we have audience in all different walks of life, not just in agriculture, and I am greatly appreciative of that. But what I I need to do, and it's most important that I do this right in the beginning of the show, and I cannot think, I cannot think of the words to say thank you to all of you around the world that listen to this show. That is a humbling experience that 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 just I, I still I still I still cannot get over it. But to explain to you what I'm talking about is that I am not good about looking at the analytics for my radio show or my podcast, and I don't get mired in that because I feel that this was a calling, and I say this very humbly, and I feel that it was a calling that the good Lord put upon my heart to have a transfer of knowledge to help the good people in agriculture, ranching, all around the world, not just in the United States. Even though I say say that in my show, my heart goes out to everyone around the world that is in these com- in these communities because they are those that are feeding feeding the world. But also, the purpose, I guess, the mission statement of this show. There is no mission statement written down, but in my heart, it is that not only to educate those people to help them to be more profitable but also to inspire someone and i've said this many times if you listen to my new year's show or throughout the years if you listen to me is that i think it's so important in life to inspire someone and you never know how you're going to inspire someone there could be something most of the times we we inspire people in either a positive or a negative way and never know it and uh, through this show like this, I have the, I have the opportunity by God's grace to hopefully inspire someone in a positive way. But I am not good at looking at the analytics. A lot of people tell me I'm crazy. I know there's people who have shows and they they study everything and how they uh, and I don't do that. And uh, that's just not me because that's not what I'm here about. And I also feel that if the good Lord wants me to do this then I will have the audience that he wants me to have, whether it's a million people or whether it's one person. And so I'm not, my decision making for this show and my radio show and my website is not how many, how many, how much audience I could glean or what have you. And obviously everyone would like to have a large audience, but the motives for my large audience, I'm humbly stating, is to transfer knowledge to people to help them to help them to make their life better, their farm better, their ranch better, and also to take someone and possibly inspire them to do something. And uh, whatever that something is, is between them and God, not between me. But oftentimes you'll hear something or see something in life, and that'll be the catalyst to put you on a certain road. So based upon knowing that, I am not looking at analytics. I'm not doing all of that. Um we probably didn't look at it for a little bit more than a year, maybe a year and a half. I really don't. It wasn't two years, maybe a year and a half. So the last time, and my web person and art director, Susan Moore, handles that. So the last time we looked at it, this show, believe it or not, had listeners in 67 countries around the world. 
and I could not believe it. And I was, and I announced that because it's all because of you. And well, we checked it the other day. So I said to Sue, well, you know, we should check it because whatever I should know, and who knows, I mean, maybe it went from 67 down to seven, who knows? But what we found out was that this show has listeners in 83 countries around the world. And I just want to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart, because it, I mean, it, it's, it leaves me speechless. And my wife would tell you that's very rare for me to be speechless. But to think that there's listeners that are interacting with this show from in 83 countries around the world. And uh, I'm obviously not going to sit here and read a list of 83 countries to you. But we have listeners in Asia, we have listeners in Japan, we have all literally, I guess, 83 countries around the world. And I want to give a, a sincere and heartfelt thank you to all of you that are listening, any place that you listen in the world. And I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me and bringing me into, in, into your life because that's what you're doing. You're bringing me into my life, into your life, whether you're listening through, through earbuds or listening on a computer or in a truck or in a, in a, uh, in a factory, uh, wherever you're listening, but you're, you're taking your time to allow me to speak with you. And that is an honor that I could never, ever, ever put a price tag on. So I just want to thank you so, so much for allowing this show to go around the globe to 83 countries and it's each and every one of you I am so appreciative of and I pray I know that realistically I would never be able to meet you all but know that in my heart of hearts if I could meet you and shake your hand and give you a hug that I would and I want to thank you for making this show such a success and bringing it around the world and God willing one day I will find out that 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 this show was the catalyst or that or that i'm not going to say the turning point because but but just maybe helped you one day and saved you money on the farm or ranch or you somebody decided to listen to this and either you'll get an education and do something i'm not saying do something else meaning getting out of farming and it's i don't want you ever to, to think that that's the case by no means but to to find your path in life that god wants for you and to know that 83 countries, people are listening to it, and I just pray that that they will find their path, and their path could be to make their farm more profitable, their ranch more profitable, their path may be to to go to school and, and, and get an education in a different field, and bring that back to the farm, or bring it to whatever. The world is just an amazing place, and once again, well, I'm going to stop now because I'm rambling and babbling, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you that listen to Idle Chatter on my podcasts. So I want to thank you so much, and each and every one of you holds a special place in my heart. So I also need to do is, before I get too choked up here, is give a shout out to Mr. James Woodworth from El Rose, Saskatchewan. And I believe that Mr. Woodworth listens on the SiriusXM show 
the uh, Farm Machinery Digest Radio, and that's cool. That's great, and I hope that some other, I know many other many of you listen there also. I listen to the podcast, but uh, Mr. Woodworth, he had contacted me a long time ago, and we had a dialogue with some questions, and he sent me a beautiful picture of his farm in the winter. I think it was from five or six years ago, and gorgeous. Uh, the prairies of the United States, the prairies of Canada. And I don't know whether they call them prairies down in Australia and New Zealand, but that vastness, that openness just really, really always tugged at my heartstrings. And coming from, you know, being a New Jersey farm boy where, you know, a big field is 100 acres, to see that vastness always just just tugged, tugged at my heartstrings. So I uh, just absolutely, absolutely love it. So we had, con- we had, he had communicated with me, but I don't, th- I never gave him a pin in my map. So now he has a pin in my map and obviously he's in the drawing for the hot rod farmer license plates. And I have to say that I got the proof the other day and the, 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 not because they're my plate. I think they, well, the, I think they're going to look gorgeous. <clears throat> So we changed the design. Sue Moore changed the design around, and we uh, we collaborated on it and um, sent it down to get a to get a proof made. They send you a digital proof, so it makes it looks like it's embossed, and uh, the areas that are embossed they could not emboss the tractor, which I didn't think they were going to be able to because it's too complex. The hot rod farmer tractor, smoking the tires, waving the American flag. And then uh, having flames coming out of the exhaust with a, bl- a chrome exhaust with a blower sticking out of the hood. Well, anyway, but the the, uh, the verbiage they could they could um, emboss, and God willing, it's going to look fantastic. And they're being made down in Georgia. So if you're a listener down in Georgia, it's being made down there, USA made with aluminum, USA made recycled aluminum, right? Which is being a good steward of God's earth, and. Uh, they're hopefully going to be poly bagged, each one in a separate bag, so they don't get scratched up. And they're going to be made in Tucker, Georgia. So uh, the order is in. They said that there may be a six-week delay because of because of whatever. So hopefully it's not six weeks. But I need for you guys to wherever you are in the world, because now that I know I'm in 83 countries, I'm going to get a world a, a, a world map. Please email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and you'll have be put in, let me know where you listen from. You could tell me a little bit about you or your operation and if you don't want to share that, that's fine and you will be in the drawing for a Hot Rod Farmer license plate that I will mail to you any place in the world. Don't worry about it. Any place in the world. So I know I have listeners in Japan, all over. I mean, so uh, like I said, it'll go. If if you contact me and you win, don't worry. I'll get it to you if I got to hand deliver it myself and get an airplane. So uh, please, please do that. Just send me an email and let me know where you are listening from. And and as I've always said, or I said in the past couple of weeks, because you didn't win that week when you sent it means absolutely nothing because those names are going into a box and they're going to keep being pulled out and if you win then your name is going to be your name is going to be taken out of that box not a pin off the map you're not being removed from the map taken out of that box so you could email me the first week and win or it could be a year from now and you could win so just keep that in mind and i also want to invite you to please visit my website 
farmmachinerydigest.com. I have two new articles on there under the learning tab. On the learn tab, there's over 100 articles there. And they're short reads. They're four or five minutes. It's not gone with the wind. So you get in and out because, you know, I know it's it's difficult to read stuff on a computer. It's not like having a magazine in your hand. So under the Learn tab, there's an article about measuring. And it's very important to be able to be familiar with measuring. So an overview of measuring. And then the uh, then in Collector's Corner, which is kind of geared towards collector tractors, uh, people who have older tractors, maybe it could be in its work, work clothes and still work in a farm, but older tractors. And I have an article about older gas tractors and say, will it start? But keep in mind that you have to think out of the box. And, you know, that's, that article will start would apply to an old grain truck, it would apply to a lawnmower, it would apply to anything. It doesn't have to be an old gas tractor. But, it'll, it, but it is, that article is focused on when... Uh, on will it start or not and then on the flags across the harvest which is my blog i have a new blog a new post up there which i would invite you to please enjoy and uh and does anybody remember matt helm well if you don't remember matt helm from the movies you may want to read that and hopefully you enjoy it but please, 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 if you go to the website and you read any of these articles, just send me, just right in the bottom, right at the bottom of the of the article, there's a place where you could send a response and you could just, just I'm not, I'm not looking for accolades. Or you say, I think this stank, then you let me know, all right? Because I, this is your show. It is not my show. I am the curator of it. And that is all that I, uh, that, that I want to make it the best show possible for you the best best learning experience, the best inspiration. And then the other thing I'm going to invite you to do while you're on the website, because it's no place else right now, is click on the tab on the homepage, FMD, FMD Radio, which are my back back issues back episodes of my radio show on Sirius XM it's the entire show you do not need a serious subscription for it it's listed as a podcast and if you are a hot rod farmer or you have a older gas engine that could be completely stock or, or that doesn't have to be hot rodded and you're having some potential issues with it I did a show last week about the M.E. Wagner Performance Adjustable Flow Rate PCV Valve. Now, that's only a half-hour show. It's actually 24 minutes, so it's not going to... It's tight, and it's to the point, and uh, it doesn't go on for an hour like Idle Chatter does. So I invite you to please go there because I don't do the same topics on that show, and it will extend your learning experience. But if you do have an older gas engine, and older doesn't have to be 40 years old. It could be 7 or 8 years old, and you're having some issues with it, either oil leaks or fumes or maybe check engine light or idle quality or you have an older carburetor one that doesn't carburetor doesn't want to just take some take 24 minutes and listen to that podcast or that farm machinery digest radio about the me wagner adjustable pcv valve and give me your thoughts i i i know there's a huge audience out there but a minuscule amount of you communicate with me and please know that i want to hear from you good good bad or indifferent I just want I want to hear from you. I want to build a relationship with you. So please, please, please do that. Now, let me see what else. We did all of that. And now we're going to get into the topic of today's show. But I am going to get a drink of water first. So I'm just going to ask you to excuse me. I'm going to, I'm going to dub this mic.
All righty. You know, it's amazing how when you're doing a show like this, or doing radio or television, that you know, a few seconds to get a drink of water when it it's actually sounds like it feels like an hour, right? Dead air. So there's dead air. So I, I asked you to please um, forgive me for that. Another thing that's exciting, and it's all because of you, my audience, is that I am going to, um, God willing, I'm in, ta- I'm in, this, in some preliminary discussions. Well, I think it's a little bit more than preliminary, is that... Uh, I am going to be creating with, I hooked up with a wonderful videographer, Terry Munson. And if anybody's listened to my On the Road podcast and the one with Pete Meyer, I met Pete Meyer, who's the uh, who's the fine artist and he was the designer for General Motors. And his videographer is Terry Munson. And I met Pete Meyer through my friend Rob Ida. So it's, it's all this... I don't want to say networking. It's friend of a friend of a friend. And Pete and I became, you know, you know, whatever. I don't. I don't even know what the word is. We, our relationship, you know, has has really blossomed. And his wife Jan is a great, great woman, and uh, we communicate back and forth. We share the love of the Lord and animals together, and what have you. So, um, but anyway, so Pete has a friend of his that is a videographer, Terry Munson. So I've been wanting to do, <clears throat> I've been wanting to do some video stuff. So it's going to be called Under the Sheet Metal. And it's going to be two minutes and 15 seconds because TV is tight. And two minutes and 15 seconds. And Terry did a beautiful, actually the, the intro he did uh, for every episode is gorgeous. But we had to cut it back because it was a little bit too long it was 30 seconds so it's down to 15 seconds so two minutes and so the 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 actual show will be two minutes with a 15 second intro and it's going to be airing and actually aired already which i didn't even know it was the pilot it aired twice on on rfd tv and during the day on rfd tv they have the market day report and uh if you don't have rfd tv and you don't need to have a cable network or something to get it for ten dollars a month but if you pay for the whole year it's, i think it's ninety dollars or ninety nine dollars you could get rfd tv on any one of your connected devices i've heard the commercial that's how i'm saying why i'm saying it that way and any one of your connected devices and it's a and i believe that you could even go back so if you wanted to see a certain show at a certain time that you could you could go back and do that but you may want to just look into that but these are gonna the the market day report runs from nine o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon five days a week then these segments are going to be under the sheet metal segments are going to be running on the market day report and the first one the pilot i did is understanding octane and cetane so they're quick they're in and out they're like the hot rod a little bit longer than a hot rod form a minute but that's only a minute these are two minutes 15 seconds they have great visuals with them so if you get a chance check them out uh well you can only check them out when it's on rfd tv right now and you happen to catch it but moving forward we're going to be doing those with, i'm going to be doing those with terry munson and i'm really looking forward to that because that's the missing link that i have as far as my bringing my uh my um transfer of knowledge to the community and then hopefully what we're going to do is after they run we're going to be posting them on a uh, a youtube channel or something we have a pilot up right now on a, a terry we, we got a private vimeo account so it's not like you could do a google search like a youtube and find it but if anyone wants to see that pilot segment give me some feedback just email me 
at hotrodfarmmachinerydigest.com, and I will send you the Vimeo link to that. And you could feel free to share that with somebody else, but it's not, you know, it's not open platformed on the internet where you do a Google search like a YouTube channel and come up with it. But I would love to hear your input from it because then again, you know, I don't want to think that my baby is the best looking one in the nursery, right, when it's not. So please, please, you know, check that out. Just email me and I will be more than happy to send you that Vimeo link and look it over and give me the truth because the the truth is what it's all about no fake news here so anyway 20 minutes into the show but i just felt so compelled that i i just needed to 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 thank you to thank you for everything that you my audience around the world in 83 countries have done for me and it's something that uh well, let me get back into the show because I'll just go and I'll start to get choked up here. But anyway, what I'm going to talk about today is something, I'm going to say it's a little bit on the obscure side, but hopefully, but but hopefully I'm going to weave it so it's not obscure. And I'm going to talk about, excuse me, wall wetting on in, an, in a gasoline engine and cylinder wall intake port, I should say, not cylinder wall, intake port, cylinder wall wetting, and how it affects an engine. And uh, so that's what we're going to discuss. And it's produ- it, it happens with, with every engine, regardless of the, well, a carbureted or fuel injection, but it doesn't really it doesn't happen with port, with uh, direct injection because the fuel is administered directly into the cylinder but it's something that you need to be aware of and for twofold because the first thing is that i have found through my writings in the magazines my teaching my many years in the business and through this podcast through my website and now through my radio show is that i'm just laughing because it's the same dynamic comes up is that there's a general disregard for acknowledgement of the importance of the injector on a port fuel injected engine because that's what we're going to be talking about we're not going to be talking about about gasoline direct injection or diesel in this particular show today but there's a disregard for the need to maintain the spray pattern through the cleanliness of the injector and you know, I could tell when I tell when I when I suggest something to people, or they contact me and they have an issue, they have a problem with something, and I tell them, "Well, I think the injectors are dirty, or injectors are spray." And you know, you could tell that they're basically. I'm not going to say they're rolling their eyes in the sky, but that's not what they wanted to hear. And if you tell them that, even though they, it's not what they want to hear, they're not going to believe it anyway, and they're, they're not going to do anything about it. They're just going to go around with the problem and complain that nobody could fix it. So that is the first part of it. The second part reason for me, so that's the educational component of it, as far as the practical application in your everyday life and existence on the farm and with your with your family car, your wife's car, your kids' car, whatever. And the other part of it is for the hot rod farmers. And why I'm saying that is that um, there's a lot of people within the hot rod community that's broad based. You could be a drag racer, you could have a street rod, a street cruiser, what have you, and they um, they like to convert it to fuel injection. And there's a lot of 
fuel injection conversions that are done with a single plane carbureted style intake manifold that simply drill a hole in the, in the in the intake runner and affix an injector bung to that and they put a port and they put a port fu- port fuel injection system injector in each cylinder fuel rail and there's no lack of throttle bodies which monitor which meter to the air that would bolt onto a what we would call a holly 4150 style carburetor bolt pattern which like an edelbrock or a weand or a I don't even know who else makes manifolds anymore. Dart, uh, Brodex, uh, would they, they all have that bolt pattern. So you could take a carbureted manifold and you could convert it to fuel injection. And I've done that in my shop years ago. And um, and it's, an, it's not a desirable thing to do. And hopefully at the end of today's show, you'll understand it. A lot of people do it. A lot of hot rods have done it. But so the take-home message here is for you to understand about this this a wall wetting phenomena and then apply it to whatever application is specific in your particular life it may be your everyday vehicle your pickup truck or it may be your pickup truck and your hot rod or you may be not your pickup truck it may be your hot rod or muscle car or what have you so that is what we're going to talk about now in essence the best way for me to start to explain this to you is that let's say you're washing the you're doing something with a garden hose and it has no nozzle on it all right well you let's say it has a nozzle on it and now you take the nozzle you shut the hose off you take the nozzle off and you're going to wrap and you're going to wrap the hose up to put it away whatever it's a hose reel or whatever you have all right so now you're doing this I'm, i'm sure everybody who's in this audience even if you don't live in the country now and live in manhattan in a new york city in an apartment is has done that in some particular time in their life <clears throat> and then even though you shut the water off right well and you're starting to wrap up the hose what's going to happen there's going to be some additional water coming out of the hose and depending upon the way the hose was laying uh the incline how it was wrapped it could be a a lot of water and that's a relative term or it could be a little water but there's going to be some water dripping out of the hose right because it all did not come out what uh, through the nozzle or when the pressure was there so there was residual left in the hose and this residual is left in the hose due to a number of reasons well it could be for the what they call surface tension or surface friction surface tension of the water in the hose where it's where it's 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 not it has a certain cling clinginess to it right uh it could have been the angle of the hose the material in the that the hose is made of its interior passage may be rough and combined with the surface tension of the water it's holding it there send it but ultimately right gravity wins because you you wrap up the hose and hold it up in the air then the water finally drips out so keep that in mind now how does that what does that have to do with a port fuel injector well a port fuel injector is going to be an injector for each cylinder makes no difference if it's a one cylinder engine or a 12 cylinder or a 16 cylinder engine it's an injector for each cylinder and that injector is historically mounted just about at the juncture of the intake manifold runner and the port in this intake port in the cylinder head so it's usually mounted right there in probably 95 99 percent of the applications now as an aside to that the, the new ford 
uh, Godzilla engine, push rod engine, which I actually, which I'm in love with, right? It's a gorgeous piece, fantastic piece. But uh, that is a port fuel injected engine. It's not direct injection. Direct injection meaning that the injector is in the cylinder, uh, just as it would be in a diesel. Actually has the injector on not in the intake manifold but right on the intake right in the intake port so it's right at the 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 other side of the border the juncture right whereas in most engines would have the injector just near the the juncture the connection of the intake manifold runner and the port in the cylinder head this is right on the other side across the border over and is actually on the uh the runner side it's the injector is in the runner but anyway so what what happens is that when when the injector is spraying fuel, some of the fuel is going to imping, impinge, however you want to pronounce it. It's going to collide with the cylinder wall. And I shouldn't excuse me, the cylinder wall, the intake port wall. And this intake port wall is going to hold some fuel there. Now, what's hard to, exp- what you need to understand about this, and I used to teach this, and it's, I actually could teach it better today than I did when I did it. I tried to do my best, but uh, I actually have a better understanding of it today than I did back then. I had an understanding, but I'm much more intimate with it right now. Is that what's going? When I say that there's going to be a fuel film, consider it a dampness. Not where, uh, and in the industry they call it a fuel puddle instead of a film lots of time the proper term is a fuel film and other terms some people refer to as the fuel puddle when i used to teach it the company i worked for axel digital fuel injection wanted me to call it a puddle and i think that kind of was i'm, I'm not being critiquing i'm not being being judgmental it, probably the word film would have been better in a puddle because a puddle connotes connotates excuse me connotes connotates that that there's a puddle there like you splash through a puddle with a car on the road right but it's not really a puddle it's a film it's a dampness so now what happens is that because this injector is spraying and it's wetting this this intake port wall in this in the cylinder head is that this dampness is going to form there and it's a film so what is going to happen is that all of the fuel that is deli- that is delivered by the injector obviously is not getting into the cylinder because some of it, albeit a minute amount, they're not going to deny it. It's not a puddle. It's a film. It's a dampness. And it's staying on that cylinder wall. And then what's going to happen, <clears throat> so and I've, I've spoken about this before on the show, is that there's what's called the created air fuel ratio and a delivered air fuel ratio. So the created air fuel ratio is basically, in essence, a combination of the injector pulse width in milliseconds, so how long the injector is open and spraying fuel. And that goes with other things like the specific gravity of the fuel, but we won't get involved in that because the specific gravity of pump gas, street gas, is basically within a very tight window. It's not like a race gas. And so it's specific gravity of fuel, but more importantly, it's the injector opening time the flow rate of the well, the injector opening and the fuel pressure so that's going to be the delivered what we're delivering to to the the to, uh excuse me the created air fuel ratio that's what's being created but what gets delivered to the cylinder is different so what's happening what's being delivered to the cylinder is the created air fuel ratio minus whatever fuel film is 
hanging on the intake port walls and specifically the floor of the intake port. So does that make sense? So in essence, <clears throat> you could say, well, I picked a bushel of sweet corn and I put it in the back of the pickup truck and I'm using that analogy because I'm a sweet corn grower and back of the pickup truck and there was a bushel in there and then as I was going down the road, some of the ears fell out on the road. So I so what did I do is I created a bushel, I picked a bushel, but I did not deliver to the supermarket a complete bushel because some of it fell out on the road. So so I left with a bushel, but I did not deliver a bushel. That's what's happening inside with a with an injector, is that it's delivering an air fuel ratio that it wants, but or it's creating, excuse me, I'm using the wrong term myself, but it's not delivering that because some of it this wall this wall wetting is occurring now what's going to happen is that eventually this wall wetting this dampness the velocity of the air going through the port um, of the charge which is air and fuel mixed together going through the port is going to carry and siphon some of that 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 wetting away so in essence, it would be, for instance, if you had a, a rain uh, a rain event happen on your farm and you had a puddle, and we all, well, let's forget about a puddle, we have a rain event, right? And we all know that if it gets very windy afterwards, what is going to happen is that we're going to evaporate that water off quicker than if it was not windy. So the wind is going to take, well, same thing happens inside any engine. All right, at low RPM, low engine speed, there's low port velocity. The piston is not moving quickly, so there's not a lot of port velocity there. And then what happens is the as the engine RPM increases, the port velocity increases. So even though a phenomena of wall wetting would occur, two things come into play. If the charge is, if the charge is traveling quicker, it doesn't have that much time to wet the wall. And if it does, if there is wetted fuel, then what's going to happen, the increase, like the windy day, is going to evaporate the water off your field. So it is very keyed to, to port velocity. So if just to recap for a minute, we have the created air fuel ratio which is what is desirous a bushel of corn being delivered to weiss supermarket here in hackettstown and then but when i get there i some of it fell out so i don't have a bushel of corn to sell to the supermarket anymore so that is the phenomena of wall wetting so hopefully you all are with me so far now what happens is that <clears throat> now this is where it's getting a little bit science i don't want to say scientific a little bit more complicated so to to before we go on let me just say that the phenomena of the wall being wet in the cylinder head intake port runner is a is a phenomena just like the water hanging in the hose that we have to shake out that's going to happen now there is there is a desired goal and the desired goal is to minimize the wall wetting but more importantly to minimize the amount of evaporation from there so in essence what you want the the goal is to try and it's not your goal this is the, the engineer's goal and the calibrator's goal is to try to keep that and i'm now i'm going to go from the from the wetting from the dampness to the puddle because it's a better visual for a podcast we're going to try to keep that puddle the same size because if we keep that puddle the same size 
mathematically inside the ECU calibration, we could compensate for that. So we could compensate for the amount of evaporative fuel we're going to pull off of that. Because in essence, what would basically happen is that the fuel curve would never be never be controlled because if there was more evaporation more of the of that of that dampness was taken into the cylinder the mixture would go rich and if the puddle then the puddle got smaller then as the puddle got smaller the mixture would go leaner so it would be bouncing back around so it was recognized that even though it's not desirous to have this film slash puddle whatever word you want to use for it is that what we can do is we could control if we could control the size of the puddle then we're going to basically have a lot more control over the over the delivered air fuel ratio because that's the only thing that counts like i say in my show it's not what you make it's what you keep to count you can make a hundred million dollars if you lose 200 million dollars what is what you're living on underneath a bridge so the whole idea is, is look it's like saying well you know we want to keep the weeds out of the field because when we have weeds in the field, we're going to have a yield drag, a yield loss because the weeds are competing with the plant. So in essence, the mindset of this is that we know that this phenomenon is going to happen. We're going to have this wetting, this puddle forming. But if we could keep the puddle the same size, then we could compensate for that. We could compensate for that with the injector opening, and we could make this engine run very, very well. And we could have very clean emissions and very good throttle response because it's not whipsawing around, rich or lean or rich or lean or chasing itself. And that's one of the problems that you do have with a feedback system. It chases itself. And I don't care whether it's a feedback system on a grain dryer, a feedback system on a, on a diesel, a feedback system in, in, in a gasoline engine, whatever it may be, uh, in an oven, if you, 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 could, you could constantly be chasing yourself if you have if you have one of the elements wrong so now this is where it's going to get to be a little bit and listen don't don't if you have this concept up to now you're golden baby don't worry about it but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take it to the next level so what happens is that there's an equation in the fuel injection calibration and when i and back around ninth i think it was 1980 ford motor company and i think the gentleman's name who was an engineer was aquila i think it was his name was aquila but don't hold me to it and they had their central fuel injection was the ford port fuel injection system which was excellent and they realized that they were seeing this chasing of the air fuel ratio and and he wrote a paper an sae paper and he was the one who really came up with this this a uh, wall wetting comp wall wetting comp the needs to compensate for wall wetting uh in the in the intake port of the cylinder head and in engineering for and there's a a term that is often used called tau it's t-a-u and it, and tau basically in essence is a a a generic engineering term to identify a time period so i don't know if this is going to be a good uh analogy but it'll it'll work for now so so let's say like the, the sweet corn that i plant i think is 80 86 day no 80 82 day corn so if somebody would say to me what is the tau of your corn right a time period it's 82 days so tau is going to be a time period 
and then usually what will happen is that it if they have they have an identifier they call it x all right so remember when you in school says solve for x we all thought that that was the most ridiculous thing in the world i think we were in, i was in junior high school you know you got to do algebra and solve for x well, what the hell is x what are we going to solve for x for you know and they, they used to give you all this math well this is weird all, but nobody told me if they would have told me that back then in junior high school this is going to be you know they can make a drag race motor faster when i solve for x but uh, but who knows so anyways so x is is what what you're solving for so what happened is that in the system that i was teaching which was patterned after the excellent excellent ford engine management system which is excellent i don't care whether you're a gm guy a chrysler guy but the ford engine management back years ago was the state of the art as far as its control logics were concerned gm was the state of the art as far as its serial data was concerned and its ease of being able to tap into it but ford's control logic was far above uh, every the everybody else was 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 like a a a model t and this is this was like i'm definitely state of the art so when i was so when i was teaching axel digital fuel injection the version 7 ecu i started teaching the version 6 ecu they had a calibration table there called tau versus map ect and what this was was a compensation table for cylinder wall wetting and it was a table that was inside the ecu that nobody ever played with because they couldn't understand it and i used to spend an hour on this at least in the classroom and the people's eyes would be glassing over and rightfully so because it's not an obscure concept but it's a concept that you could not really see and what tau was was time and map was manifold absolute pressure versus engine coolant temperature so their calibration table was based on ford but lots of times it'd be x minus tau so x would be in this particular instance x is the amount of wall wetting so what's the heck with x right so let's say the amount of wall wetting right versus the time it takes for for it or the time it clings to the wall so they're not they're not you're not measuring the time it takes to evaporate from the wall but it's a clinger right so like i am a bitter clinger cling to your gods uh, to your to your god at your bible and your gun right remember there was a certain presidential candidate that called called people like me a bitter clinger so tau is the time it clings to the intake port wall and then x is the amount of volume of fuel that is there so x is the size of we'll go back to puddle because in this particular instance it's easier for you to envision it so x is the size of the puddle and tau is t think tau for time is how long is that puddle going to stay there before the the velocity of the charge coming through the intake port all right is going to take it and pull it away so that is so they looked at engine coolant temperature and manifold absolute pressure and they used manifold absolute pressure because it was a speed density based system it didn't look at incoming airflow as the qualifier for for that so it was tau versus map ect so all right so now that i confused you and you're probably clicking this off but please stay with me because there's going to be a practical dynamic to this 
So the whole idea now is to recap this, is that you're going to have this phenomena, all right? You have this phenomena, and uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's weed seeds, right? There's, a, there's In the seed bed, there's weeds in the ground, so we have to control these weeds to either uh, pre-emergence weed killer, mechanical cultivation or something, but we can't let these weeds attack the crop and steal from the crop's yield. So we know that this is going to have this dampness, this puddle, right? So it's going to be the whole idea is to 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 have a controllable puddle and also to control that puddle so why would you have to control that puddle because that puddle is going to shrink as i start to say and grow based upon the velocity of the charge through the intake port and also the injector opening time and how much fuel the injector is 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 delivering so in essence what will happen is that and i did a show last week and this is kind of keyed into it because i did transient versus steady state operation when you have a transient engine you know like that all right it's very easy to control that fuel puddle that fuel film because everything is happening the same the port velocity is same the injector opening is the same so when you have a transient engine and you're increasing the throttle you're stepping on a throttle right and it could, it could be on anything that could be in a car it could be it could be over on a, uh, a utv it could be on an irrigation pump it could be on a welder it could be whatever all right and so you have that transient operation so you're it, you're increasing the port flow and you're also increasing the fuel delivery and this happened years ago so if you had a carburetor right there you had a carburetor and you move the accelerator pump you'd give a shot of fuel and then there would be some fuel laying in the intake manifold and that is one of the reasons <clears throat> excuse me the reasons why they everybody had to go to some sort of fuel injection because <clears throat> there was too much there was too much fuel film laying around in the intake manifold and you could not accurately control a mixture which swing all over the place so when does this puddle shrink and when does this puddle expand well in steady state operation it's very easy to keep the puddle the film the same size because everything is happening the same so when you when you when you step on the throttle, you pull away from a traffic light or you whack the throttle, then you have the potential to grow the puddle because there's going to be a larger shot of fuel. And then when you lift, when you're coasting and you lift up, you lift the throttle or close the throttle, I should say, probably a better descriptive term. And now you're coasting, you have high RPM and you have low port velocity, then what's going to happen? And you, the injector pulse with goes, actually goes off. It's called uh, deceleration fuel, decel fuel, all right, under asynchronous pulses. That means it's not an in, in, injector pulse reach zone, the pulse deceleration fuel. And actually the engine is running off of that puddle and that film and then what you do is you step back at the throttle and now the puddle starts to grow again so this so the whole idea is that we realize that the puddle the film is going to get more film less film as far as the volume of fuel there but the whole idea <coughs> is to try to keep it the same size under all operating conditions i'm just gonna get a drink of water but not killing the mic <coughs> thank you so all right so that's that's where we're at so tau is the time the time it clings it stays there and x is the size of the puddle 
So let's have a practical application to this. Now that I have your head spinning. A practical application is that it is so important for your gasoline engines, because we're talking about gasoline here, all right, with the different dynamics with diesel, then maybe a month or two from now I'll do a show on diesel, all right? It's not with wall wetting, but there's different dynamics with that. And it, if, you, if your engine, now you have to remember this is a port fuel injected engine, so if you have a port fuel injected engine there's an injector for each cylinder so if you have the standard bearer eight cylinder engine in your pickup truck excuse me you're going to have eight different injectors now just like if you have eight different kids or eight different farms or eight different cars or eight different crops each one of them has their own potential problem so you could have you know uh like i say eight different eight employees well this one is really this one is great and always this one stinks this one i should have fired two years ago this one so whatever so ev- so every injector has the potential to have its own issues and in this particular instance what will the issue be the issue will be that it is not atomizing breaking down into small particles the fuel properly and as designed so it has bigger droplets just like if you were to have a sprayer on a farm a farm sprayer right and you have the tip the tip starts to get dirt to dirty or the the uh and it's it's not it's not breaking the 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 spray product up properly it's it's got big droplets or it's uh shooting in a stream what have you well the same thing is happening inside your fuel injector so now keep in mind that that if you have do not break the fuel up properly then this whole tau equation so x minus t x minus tau or x tau i should say not minus x tau all right all right so the fuel puddle versus the time it's clinging there is all going to be screwed up and maybe as a christian man i shouldn't use that so what's going to happen is that you're going to have a different air fuel ratio in each cylinder and the thing is that this fuel puddle is going to shrink and grow and it's going to skew the air fuel ratio all over the map now what's now you may tell you now a lot of people are under the false false impression that fuel injection is like uh superman that there's no problems there's no issues that everything bounces off of him as long as you don't get show him kryptonite and he loses all his power and if you're too young to remember superman and kryptonite do an internet search all right and you'll find out about kryptonite well these this fuel puddle is the kryptonite to weigh this gasoline engine is going to drive properly get the best fuel economy get the best idle quality the best throttle response and i like to say and put it all under one umbrella and that umbrella is the chemical to mechanical energy exchange so if you have seven cylinders out of the eight that the injector is functioning properly as far as having the ability to atomize the fuel correctly then your 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 puddle your fuel film deposit all right your fuel wall wetting is going to be about the same but now you have one cylinder that is off so in essence what you you may not hear at the tailpipe 
but you may hear that but what's going to happen is that that cylinder is not going to give the same level of contribution so the after all of this science behind it is that and as i said in the beginning of the show today is that a, a majority of you i don't say i use that term i use that respectively you people my wife said don't say that that's so derogatory you people and i don't mean it in a derogatory sense but there's so many people as i said in the beginning of the show that they do not put any credence any value in having to keep the injectors clean and you know we could say okay you could go look on a bottle of injector clean it shows it doesn't talk about tau versus map ect it doesn't talk about the fuel film the wall wetting and then how this mixture is going to skew all over this place and this engine is not going to run efficiently and you know and keep in mind also that you know if you that if you don't have this injector breaking up the fuel accurately and then you're putting a lot of liquid fuel into the cylinder you may not know it going down the road but that that liquid fuel droplets because it's not fully atomized is going to be washing the cylinder oil off the cylinder walls and you're going to get excessive wear so but you will never ever have an engine that runs a hundred percent of the way it should if you cannot maintain that fuel puddle slash wall wetting whatever you want to call it in that intake port properly and the good thing about it is it's so simple to maintain this and you know i make it out just like you know i've gone to seminars and i've said this before on the show about cover crops and you know people you know and i mean yeah i mean you could look at cover crops as, as as deep as you want to i don't mean deep into the soil i mean you could study this and study that and what this one is doing as a matter of fact i was uh listening in the morning on the way home from the truck stop i listened to uh on rural radio uh, i'm gonna say colleague i never met him but sean haney from real agriculture and, is, and he's up in canada and uh there's, he does a guy near wheat pete peter johnson and he does a great job i learned a lot from him and uh you know he was talking about tillage radish and and i plant tillage radish as a cover crop and one of the things about tillage radish is that they say basically that it stores nitrogen all right and releases nitrogen but what i guess what is fine what 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 he's claiming i'm not i'm not saying claiming in a derogatory sense but what he's saying is that they're finding that yes the tillage radish does store nitrogen but it doesn't necessarily release the nitrogen when you need it for your crop lots of times it releases it ahead of time and it's no longer there when your crop needs it so i'm listening to this coming home and i'm saying well i'm not i'm saying well had i said to me that sounds like created air fuel ratio versus delivered air fuel ratio no different right so the nitrogen stored i mean the the, the tillage the daikon radish stored a lot of nitrogen but it released it before my crop could use it so that's a difference between the created right the created nitrogen versus the delivered nitrogen by the time the delivered air fuel ratio <clears throat> and he was talking about that and actually that was the catalyst no pun intended for me to bring up about the tau all right and the fuel the fuel film because you could it, it's basically the same thing and there's so many there's so many aspects of agriculture and of living things 
that are the same in an engine but obviously they're not living but it's the same dynamics because god created the world god created everything in the world god created physics so yes physics is applied differently chemistry is applied differently than in an engine than photosynthesis in the plant but once you start to dig deep into it you start to see so many parallels not a to b in everything but there's so many parallels so i'm list so i'm thinking about this daikon radish and i'm saying to myself well man that's so i'm not getting the delivered uh the 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 i'm creating i'm creating a nitrogen credit but i'm not really delivering what my plan needs it but i'm not concerned with that because i'm a lousy farmer no i'm not concerned with that because i have a high value crop so i don't mind putting some more n in i'm more concerned with the nitrate the tillage radish not the breaking up my soil compaction and making airways and waterways and feeding this the beneficial microbes in the soil that if i get a nitrogen credit from it i'm fine but when you're talking about an engine and a fuel injector is that you need to have that fuel film stay constant as i started to say as i went off into a tangent it is so easy to maintain all you need to do is get into the habit of running a high quality fuel injector and i've said this so many times on the show to add nauseam high quality fuel injector com- complete fuel system cleaner and what that means is it cleans the injector it cleans the intake valve deposits and it cleans the carbon off the piston in this particular instance the ver- with the with the fuel film the wall the stone the not this i keep saying stone the wall because i'm thinking about ring package in my mind but the intake port wall wetting and it's usually the floor not the wall all right is that you need to keep the injector clean so the caveat before we go to our letter the caveat here is that if you did not clean the injectors for a long long time then you have to do a high concentration of this three or four tanks back to back I've said it many times in the show, I like Chevron Techron complete fuel systems cleaner but that does not mean it's the only one that's good all right i'm not saying that that's the one that i use i know that um i believe seafoam has a very good product i believe uh believe it or not uh i can't think of the name of the company uh conklin i buy their product wex for my uh as a as a soil penetrant it's a surface tension reducer for my farm but they have an they have a a automotive chemical line and they have an injector uh, a good injector complete fuel system cleaner so the thing basically is is that it is so easy so the take-home message here before i go close is number one keep you know every three or four thousand miles two thousand miles you can't overdo it dose it with a good injector cleaner get into the habit if you've never done it prior to the show do two to three tanks back to back all right then you know every three or four thousand miles and i don't care what this is you know if you have an atv that's fuel injected if you have <clears throat> if you have a and i'm going to go back and say at least i i don't recall his name and i apologize for but it's the listener that, that, that told me about the the, the steel chainsaw that's fuel injected and that's a port fuel injected saw. <clears throat> well, that's going to be the same thing. It's going to have a fuel film there. 
It doesn't make a difference. You have a port fuel injected UTV, ATV, lawnmower. All right, well, lawnmower. I'm not going to say there isn't one because somebody will correct me. But lawn tractor, it's all the same dynamics, all right? This fuel film formation uh, and this tau versus the size of the fuel puddle is all going to be the same dynamic. So if you have a fuel-injected UTV, ATV, and it's got a little bit of a hesitation or it doesn't run, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying it doesn't run right, it doesn't run as crisp. It's not like, it's not it's not there. Like, remember last week and last week's show I was talking about that Grand National and the drag race drag race engine. I mean, the, the hallmark of of that, it, go, you know, it goes on the burnout box, clean as could be. It does the burnout, goes up on a two-step, clean, launches clean, makes a clean pass. That means that the air-fuel ratio was right, the tune-up was right to every operating state. All right, you don't want it where it's just op- op- right in one state. And if, the, if a farm, you say, well, I got 500 bushels here, but the rest of the field has 100 bushels per acre. All right, so what the heck good is that? So the thing is that, so it's so easy to do it. So hopefully, because I've had people write to me and they have an issue. I said to them, well, you'll run and inject the cleaner. You have to do this. You have to keep doing this. Keep doing this. Keep doing this. It's part of like brushing your teeth. It's like putting, you know, fertilizer on your plants and your fields. It's not a one-time deal and you forget about it. But the important thing is that if you didn't do it, you have to heavy dose it in the beginning, a few tanks back to back, then go into a regiment every few thousand miles, do it. The injector will be happy. It'll be making a nice, nice atomized spray. The mathematics inside the ECU of, career, of maintaining that fuel puddle, that, all right, the volume of the puddle and the towel, the time it stays there, the time it clings to it is all going to be correct and you're going to be rewarded with a excellent running engine, the best fuel economy, the best life, the best throttle response, the cleanest emissions, everything. And it's all because of that towel versus the fuel puddle in there. So, Take that home. Look, just like the cover crops. Raise the cover crops. You don't have to go too deep and make love to the science, the theory of as long as you buy into it, all right? And then buy into this, please. Treat your fuel injectors, and let's move on to Tex Rubinowitz because he's going to be coming on in. Come on in, Tex, buddy. Yeah, right. You probably heard me shuffling my papers and putting my water glass down because I got so excited about that towel versus map ECT. I forgot the to, to kill a mic. Listen, we're not doing a toolbox test today, and I apologize for that because I went too long in the beginning, and then also full, you know, full, full uh, transparency because I didn't write one yet this week. Didn't get a chance and um i'm already long i'm one minute and two over an hour 62 minutes i told you i'd be cut it down but i do have a letter and i that i want to address and it's from clinton weiss from oklahoma and he says hi my tractor is four-wheel drive and is going to need new tires he doesn't tell me what brand it is what size it is do you think i should move up from a radial to an if or vf tire thank you well, thank you very much, Mr. Wise, for writing in. Regardless of <clears throat> the size of your tractor, and I'm assuming that you're using it for row crop work, 
uh, you know, keep in mind, don't be afraid to, to give me more information. The more information you give me in a letter, uh, then the better I can, I could help you. We would hopefully try to help you right so the thing is that if it's got a radial tire it's probably a larger tractor it's not a compact tractor because i don't think anybody makes a radio for a compact tractor my attitude on on <clears throat> on tires on agricultural equipment is that it's a long-term investment the tire does not you know it doesn't it's not it's, it's a consumable but it could last three four five seven thousand hours if you take care of it so actually they, they believe it or not the industry rates tires agricultural tires on hours they don't rate them on miles or road use or whatever because they there's no way for them to calculate that so the industry has an equation it's okay well if it's got 4,000 hours on the engine, then it probably has this much use on the tires. I mean, if it, it could be, you know, conceivably be an auger tractor and have 10,000 hours and the tires never moved, but that's, you know, that's the oddball case. So they look at hours. And the industry standard is they feel that a tire should last three to 4,000 hours if you're not good with taking care of it and you don't damage it. And if you t- if you really make love to it, six or 7,000 hours. And then there's other things that come into play. How much do you run on the road? Like I run during harvest, I run a lot on the paved road delivering corn back and forth. All right, so it all does, you know, are you running on gravel? What are you running on? So whatever, so three or 4,000 hours. So it's not like it's an oil change or something that you're going to be doing it quite often so the answer your question mr wise is that if which stands for increased flexion and vf which is which is very high flexion vf is better than if and flexion is a is a fancy word for flex is that an if and vf tire is going to allow that the tractor or the tire to carry more weight with less air pressure if you're carrying more weight with less air pressure you are not going to have as much soil compaction and you're going to be spreading that load out over more of the tread bar so it's very advantageous so my this is my thought uh, if for a vf tire is more expensive than a regular radial tire there's no denying but it's something that could last you thousands and thousands of hours so now you're amortizing that that additional expense for that if or vf tire uh over thousands and thousands of hours years of use is that i am a big proponent of those tires for the simple reason being is that you know just as i was talking about you know cover crops a few minutes ago and the daikon radish to break up soil compaction is that the the less that you could compact your compact your soil with the tire the healthier your soil is going to be the healthier your crop is going to be the more productive your farm is going to be the more drought tolerant your 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 uh your crop is going to be so there's there's nothing nothing negative about having less soil compaction from a tire all right the only negative is that you're going to have some more upfront costs so my contention to you sir is that i would definitely go if you could get a vf tire of the brand that is of your choice do your own due diligence all right a vf tire it's going to be a very very worthwhile investment for your farm and you know and there's things that you know i do this in my seminars where i talk about direct roi and then indirect roi direct roi is you put a fungicide on 
and you get two bushels per acre, 10 bushels, whatever number you want to say. Indirect ROI is you listen to this guy from New Jersey, and he tells you and educates you and has a transfer of knowledge about things, and that makes your farm more profitable. But you can't say, I listened to the hot rod farmer and I made 10 bushels per acre. No, but in this particular instance, what, what, what needs to be recognized is that the IF and VF tire is indirect ROI. Because if you have a wet year and you're going in there and you're going to have soil compaction regardless in a wet year, but if you have the least amount of soil compaction, you're going to have the potential for the best crop. And we all know that soil compaction, it takes two seconds to do it and takes a long time to fix it if you ever do fix it so my suggestion to you sir is that make the additional investment it's not money it's an investment because an investment means that you're looking for you have expectations for a return to get more back and your soil your farm your crops everything will be will be grateful for that investment and over time will definitely 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 pay you dividends which an investment should so i would go if you could get the vf but at least get the if tire so listen i want to thank you so much for for listening today and i want to thank you once again from everybody around the world in 83 countries that spend an hour a week with the hot rod farmer i want to thank you so much for that you have a blessed day be well god bless and i'll catch you next week bye bye